The Tablet Show, Episode 82, with guest Scott Allen. Recorded live Friday, April 19th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Scott Allen about building SPAs for mobile. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at T-E-L-E-R-I-K.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to The Tablet Show. It's Carl and Richard, and uh, we're here for your tablet experience for the next hour-ish. How you doing, Richard? I'm good. You know, I've done my tablet keynote a few times. I just did one here in Vancouver. They asked for it specifically. Ah. And I realized now I have a pile of tablets. Right. So I, I brought them all in and sort of talked through, you know, I'm talking about tablets in the enterprise context and yeah. talking about changing workflows and so forth. And so really, I realized my talk went way better when I was holding that W510 in my hands. Mm-hmm. You really show how you handle it, how you moved around with it, you know, thinking about bringing the computer to the work. So every time there's a new tablet that comes out, I, you know, have to make the case, you know, honey, (laughs) but I do this for a living. (laughs) It's my job. It's my job to play with toys. I'm I'm at work. Yeah. Really. Taking the stepdaughter, uh, uh, not tablet shopping, but uh, laptop shopping. She wants a... You know, a, a standard netbook kind of thing, possibly with touch, but not not ready for the tablet. There's a few interesting choices. I really like the new Asus models, but the latest Lenovo is gorgeous. Hmm, I'll have to check it out. And I was looking at the stats, you know, everybody talking about how PCs are in decline, da 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 Last quarter, when all the other PC manufacturers lost market share, Lenovo gained market share. Nice. And it just sort of speaks to, if you're making the right machines the right way... There's still money out there. All right, man. Let's do Better Know Framework and get on with it. Awesome. What do you got, my friend? Well, I have something that is uh, not a surprise for you and I, but uh, maybe if you haven't been listening to .NET Rocks and only have been listening to the tablet show, you might have missed it. We did a show on Glimpse, and I think it's worth mentioning on the tablet show. uh, Getglimpse.com. So what it does is it gathers and presents detailed diagnostic information about the behavior and execution of your web application from the client. Yes. Instrumenting reality. That's what it's about. Yeah. And a whole bunch of new people have uh, heard about this because of .NET Rocks. We want to share the love on uh, the tablet show, too. Uh, It's a game changer. It is a way how it changes how you think about if you're just instrumenting your actual customers in a way that doesn't significantly impact performance, but lets you know what the whole is doing, yeah. you're way better off. Yep. So I totally appreciate that. And, and Glimpse got really strong reaction from the .NET Rocks listeners too. Yep. Great so, stuff. Great thought, my friend. I appreciate that. Get Glimpse.com. Do it. Do it. Know it, learn it, love it. Who's talking to us, Richard? Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 78, and that's the one we did with Aaron Gustafson. Who I really enjoyed, because he's the guy about progressive enhancement, really building a path to working with responsive web design and so forth. Absolutely. Great, great conversation. Yeah. 
And, uh, and Stephen Ball wrote this comment. He said, uh, great show as always, guys. I wanted to echo my frustration with a point that Aaron brought up about writing native apps for one or two particular application stores. I'm a big fan of mixed martial arts. Recently, one MMA promotion announced the release of their shiny new mobile app, allowing fans to get real-time stats during the fights. However, it was only initially made available for iOS devices. Within the first hour of a two-hour broadcast, the two commentators of the fights were getting tweets from Android users asking when they could expect to see a version of the app for their devices <laughs> ever since then the promotion has said that an android version will be coming quote soon real soon now yeah, leading me to believe that the company who wrote the application never considered other operating systems in the first place in this instance perhaps a cross-platform or hybrid application would have been better from the start as to not alienate members of their absolutely. fan base absolutely yeah i'm with you and, and you know i suspect you know, the MMA guys who just thought, oh, we better have a mobile app, hadn't even realized that Android had such a massive market share. So figured iOS would be just fine. They're not experts in that space. Yeah. And never even considered the idea of building hybrids so that they could support even more than just iOS and Android would be the way to go. I mean, we got to learn Java now. <laughs> she uh... Are you kidding? Anyway, thanks, Stephen, for your comment. Uh, great uh, point to be brought up about the real thing about hybrid apps is to get your marketplace handled properly mm. and a coveted tablet show mug is on its way to you and if you'd like a tablet show mug just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com and with that let me introduce our guest k scott allen scott is the founder of ode to code and a software consultant who lives near baltimore maryland he has 20 years or so of commercial software development experience with embedded devices, Windows, web, and mobile platforms. Scott's the co-author of Professional ASP.NET MVC3, a Pluralsight course author, and also provides classroom training and mentoring for companies around the world. Welcome, Scott. Hello, gentlemen. It's always good to talk to you guys, whether it's on a show or at a conference. It's always fun. You guys always have fun around you. We do. <laughs> did, did you have fun at Dev Intersection? I had a lot of fun. Yeah. It always reminds me... When I, I think of myself as sort of a gadget person, but when I get in a room with like Richard and Brian Randall, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> Look, we're, we've crossed, I appreciate your position, Scott. I think Brian and I have crossed over to a disease level. Yeah. I think so. You know, I think once you're counting the number of, of rack use in your house, you've got a problem, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to embrace the fact that I have issues. And, and Brian's got it too. The problem is that I am the contagion. Brian did not have a rack in his house until he came to my house. Uh -huh. And then I actually had to go down to his house and convince his wife. And then we built it out in the garage. So I am clearly the carrier. I am the typhoid Mary of racks in the home. And, and now to get them together in the same room is like a never-ending game of one-up. <laughs> Oh, they're, they're just sitting there at the table pulling things out of the bags. Do you oh, have yeah? this? Oh, Check I, out I actually have this. a newer one. Yeah. <laughs> you got one of these? Yeah, I got one of those, but they're shinier. And also, you know, if you ever need anything, it's like, hey, uh, Richard, I need a cross-threaded left-handled Hemta. He reaches in his back <laughs> pocket. Foom, there it is. You can keep that one. I have another one in my other pocket. <laughs> well, how are you been? I've been good. Everything is going well and staying busy. I learned a lot from your MVC4 uh, class on Pluralsight. Oh, cool. It's a great video. I like doing that. It's fun. Highly recommended. Uh, and we're here to talk about uh, SPA on mobile devices, single page yes. apps on mobile devices. I think uh, most of the mobile websites that I run 
tend to be spa-like, but I guess uh, it takes a little bit of tricky uh, development to, to get to get everything working just right. It does, and usually people take one of two approaches with mobile sites, mobile websites. You either do um, the CSS tricks and try to do a responsive design or use a framework and actually build something that is a little more app-like. Yeah. For me, when you're building something that's a little more app-like, you, you tend to use something like jQuery Mobile or Angular JS, and you are, yeah, you know, you're building a single-page application that's trying to run in a mobile browser, and there's lots of challenges and different choices you can make. So uh, I know a lot of people are sort of getting away from jQuery in in a on a phone or on a mobile device, and either going with jQuery Lite or nothing at all, just sort of plain old JavaScript. Is that uh, what you advocate these days? I do. There's a certain case to be made for vanilla JS. A lot of people will say mm-hmm. where you're just writing plain JavaScript because, uh, well, you know, jQuery is a, a great library, but we are in a better position now. The, the browsers are a little bit better than they were mm-hmm. four years ago. They support natively things like CSS selectors and, and other aspects that we used to use jQuery for a lot. So there's a case to be made for building things with just your own JavaScript, but but there's also a pretty good case to be made to use some sort of framework, maybe not a framework like jQuery that used to normalize the browser API, but maybe more of a framework that allows you to add some structure and architecture to your code. And I got to think that one of the advantages in the mobile space when you're talking about smartphones is that they're all HTML5. Like you don't have the same problems you've got on the desktop with a diversity of browsers. Well, they are all HTML5, but you still run into problems of how the Android 2.3 browser is going to behave versus the Android 2.0 browser. And there's still a lot of devices out there. So trying to get something that works perfectly on as many devices as possible is still a bit tricky and requires a lot of, a lot of testing. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've often referred to the drawer of broken dreams when it comes to Android, <laughs> trying to get everything to work just on Android devices across the board. Uh, I have plenty of Windows Phone uh, devices in my drawer of broken dreams. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I have more Windows, actually Windows Mobile, than anything else. You know, old Windows Mobile. Yeah, I'm still looking at, I've got a, an old 543, the HTC 533 with the pop-out keyboard sitting on my desk. I guess it's sort of a cautionary tale to me. Phones used to be this ugly. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cruel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're a bunch of phone geeks here. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, you did mention Angular. Yes. So is this, there's the jQuery mobile approach. And I, I mean, as much as it's easy to disk, what is it about when a library becomes really successful, now we start making fun of it? Right? I mean, jQuery <laughs> super successful. They made a jQuery mobile version specifically, but we're still kind of mocking jQuery. Well, let's talk about Angular in particular. Let's just define what it is and let everybody know. So Angular is a framework that came out of Google, basically a framework that they open sourced for building single page applications with JavaScript. And it's a framework that is, I, I would say it's a bit opinionated. It wants you to keep a separation of concerns. It has a lot of design patterns. It's actually quite a a big framework. But what appealed to me when I first came across Angular is I went to the website. They have a a 12 or a 16-step tutorial that you can walk through. And every single step of that tutorial, I was like, wow, this this makes a lot of sense to me. 
But uh, I will say that I had done some Silverlight development in the past, not a lot, but three or four projects. A lot of those projects had used an MVVM type framework like Caliber and Micro. And I see a, a lot of similarities between Angular and a, a Silverlight MVVM framework. You have uh, view models, you have services, you have uh, views and templating and two-way data binding. All of that stuff comes out of Angular so that really when you write an application with Angular, you can focus just on how do I manipulate my model? When the user clicks this button, I don't have to worry about hooking up a click event. I just have to worry about uh, this event has happened. I need to call the server, get some data, put it into my model. And you really don't do any DOM manipulation with most of your Angular code that's taken care of through data binding, which is nice. So right. it's very similar to, to building something with Silverlight and MVVM. And does it have an IOC container built into it? It actually does. It has the concept of services, and services can be injected into your components. And for people that want that flexibility, uh, that's great. Maybe you just want that flexibility for testing. So an example would be in a controller. So it has the concept of a model and a view and a controller. The controller is typically where you write your code that includes the model. But in your controller, maybe you need to call back to the server so you can have a parameter there, the dollar sign HTTP service mm -hmm. that gets injected into your controller. And then you can do HTTP.get or .post or call back to the server, get your data. And it, when it's actually running in a browser, you get something that talks over HTTP. But in testing, you can bring up your controller and, and inject a mock or a fake or a stub or something like that. So we get back to the real reason of separation concerns is making this thing really testable and maintainable. Yes, exactly. And the controllers are typically easy to test because you, first of all, you have all these services injected and that you can mock out in a unit test. And secondly, you don't do any DOM manipulation inside of the controller. All of that is taken care of somewhere else through data binding or, or through some custom what they call directives that you write. Inside the controller, it's pretty much just plain JavaScript code, which is nice. I'm trying to wrap my mind around injecting a service. So is a service like a factory that sort of spits out the dependencies that you need? Or what is that exactly? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting in JavaScript because if, if you think about dependency injection in something like .NET, dependency injection is something where you say, okay, I have a, I have a class that needs an iLogger. Right. I don't care what type of logger it is. could be SQL Server logger or Windows Event Log logger, whatever it is. I'm just going to advertise the fact that I need that by having a, a constructor parameter of type iLogger. And now some magic container out there is going to figure out what type of iLogger to give me at runtime. Angular and its dependency injection is very similar. Uh, you have a, a variable on your controller constructor function but there's no types in JavaScript. There's no way to say that this is an iLogger. So it relies on a naming convention instead. So you have to call something, you know, logger. Always name the same way in the proper case and so forth. But when it sees that parameter, it says, oh, you need a logger? Let me go through all the, the factories and, and the other things that have been configured into this application and see if I can find something with that name. And if I do, I'll, I'll retrieve one and, and pass it into you. So it's a, a separation and a, a decoupling that's happening there. Interesting. 
and then, like I said, that makes it very easy to do a fake or a mock because it's just that's what it finds. But also, I can imagine, you know, if you're not expecting that, you know, you just happen to name your, you, you know, name your service logger, and you're not expecting it to to be injected in. You're, you're, are you in for a surprise? Yeah, you probably would be then. You <laughs> you do have to kind of be aware of what Angular knows about and, and what it's going to give you. Usually, things the the built-in services in Angular are prefixed with a dollar sign. Okay. So there's things like dollar sign HTTP for calling back to the server. Well, that there's, makes it pretty uh, obvious then. Right. So yeah. as as long as you avoid that dollar sign, you, you'd be okay. <laughs> and there are a collection <laughs> of projects out there for this then that that, that plug into this model. Things that build on top of Angular, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, there actually are. There's quite a few. Um, one interesting one right now that Dan Waleen and I have been playing around with is called Angular Strap. Because, uh, and that particular plugin takes advantage of some of the components that are in Bootstrap, which is a fairly popular CSS framework now. Well, it, it's CSS and some JavaScript. So Bootstrap was from the developers at Twitter. They came up with a CSS framework that has grid-based layouts and all these great things. Yeah. Also, some JavaScript components, like a dialog that can pop up. And, and to use that from Angular properly, you need to write uh, you know, a little bit of JavaScript to get them to work together. Someone has already done that and open-sourced a, a project called Angular Strap. Uh, and there's other ones that are out there. So uh, I believe there's one to use jQuery UI with Angular, if you like the jQuery UI widgets better. Huh. So it's getting some traction. Yeah, so however you're used to expressing yourself uh, on your UI side, Angular seems to be able to plug into it. It is a really flexible and customizable framework, and it, it does have a steep learning curve because of that flexibility. Anytime you have a, a framework that can do anything, <laughs> then sometimes it's hard to find the right way to do something or to do something specific. It does have a bit of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there's, there are worse problems than that, but you know, you do think you have to <laughs> sort of keep up with that. What about it? Did you say Angular UI? Angular UI is another project that is also trying to put together more uh, complex widgets for you to use with Angular. So things like date pickers and so forth. All right. So just trying to automate some of these more complex UI elements. That's right. That's right. And there's also an adapter out there for jQuery mobile, which I find interesting. Because Angular JS and jQuery Mobile overlap a lot in what they're trying to do for you. They're they're both used to build spas, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't know. To me, Angular plus jQuery Mobile seems like a recipe for losing hair. Yeah, but but <laughs> but, but someone does have uh, an adapter out there for the two to work together. They're both they're both uh, well jQuery Mobile anyway. Also, is a, a rather large framework. I right. think it's. I was going to say, now you're yeah. really piling them up, you know. Yeah, if you're trying to target some of the older mobile phones with this, I could imagine it might be a cause for concern yeah. performance-wise, too. So how exactly does it compare to jQuery Mobile? How does it compare to jQuery, for that matter? Oh, sure. So to compare to jQuery, jQuery is all about DOM manipulation and DOM selection, plus some Ajax features and some other things. Uh it doesn't really give you anything out of the box to build a spa in the sense that it doesn't manage browser history. It doesn't manage putting together views, doesn't give you any data templating, right? Data binding is a big one. Whereas Angular provides all of that and Angular behind the scenes uses something they call jQuery Lite, 
which would be just the parts of jQuery that they need to do some DOM oh. manipulation and, and selection. Oh, all right. So, so there you go. You sort of get the best of jQuery and things like Knockout uh, in one one package. That's right. Exactly. And then to compare it to jQuery Mobile, I would actually say those two frameworks have two different sweet spots. To me, the sweet spot for jQuery Mobile is I want to build something that behaves like a spa, kind of looks like a native application, but I'm still going to do most of my HTML generation on the server side. jQuery Mobile is very good at uh, intercepting all of the links and forms that are on a page. So when the user clicks something and it's going to another local resource, it'll intercept that request, bring the HTML back, carve it up and graft it into the DOM. So you never have the traditional browser flicker. Instead, it animates between pages. But typically, you still do most of the HTML generation on the server then. It's, it's really a round trip app that's been modified by jQuery mobile to, to look like a spa, let's say. And, and and the sweet spot for that, I say, is service, still server-side HTML generation because writing, I think, writing a lot of script with jQuery mobile is, is tough because of the way the framework modifies your HTML and the way it's intercepting these requests and grafting in pages. Mm. You have to write your, your script in such a way that it behaves nicely with jQuery mobile. If jQuery Mobile were a river, it would have a very strong current. And if you <laughs> if you tr- if you try to get upstream against it, it, it it becomes frustrating really quickly. What about Ember? How's it compare to Ember? Yeah, Ember I haven't used a lot, but definitely Angular and Ember and Backbone are sort of all in the same category. And and unlike jQuery Mobile, uh, they're more about client side stuff. So with those frameworks. You typically have the, the server generating a lot of JSON, and you take that JSON and you use data binding and templates and things like that to change the appearance on the screen and, and load different views and manage routes and those types of things on the client. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems. All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the Tablet Show. Yeah, I mean, we're getting to a point now where there's so many different libraries. You're trying to figure out sort of tool sets for a particular technique. And I think at this point, we've already talked about at least three different tool sets and a couple (laughs) of different techniques. Spa being only one of them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the multi-page approach, right? Oh, right. Uh, What I tell people is... A lot of this comes down to personality. You have to try some of these frameworks and which one feels good to you. Which one do you like? It's like going on a, a first date with a number of different people and just trying to figure out the, 
the one that you interacted with the best. Because what's amazing about all these frameworks is the way the, the code that you write and the way you build the application can be a dramatically different experience from one to the next. Sure. It's kind of like yeah. picking your crazy, right? Yeah, exactly. They're all crazy. Just pick your crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best advice Brandon ever gave me. Brandon Wen, who works here. Best advice he ever gave me when I was, you know, recently divorced. They're all crazy, Carl. You got to pick your crazy. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, JavaScript framework speed dating as a conference topic. Ah, good idea. Ah. Five minutes with a framework. Five minutes with a framework. Bang, 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 oh, bang, bang. Oh, man. What? Dude, you're on to something. I like that. Speed like dating. That would be, that'd be ah. very worthwhile. I would think so, right? Because you, I mean, you hit, you made the main point there, Scott, which is, is you've got to find out the one that feels right. So the challenge is sort of having what's the minimum amount of time you need to spend with a framework to get it, get that feeling. That's right. Because I think there's, right. A, there's a deep part about software development that when we have problems, we feel like it's us, yeah, not them. <laughs> Most of the time, it's us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in my world, anyway. Well, I, which kind of speed dating are we talking about here exactly? Uh, you know, I can't say that for sure. I mean, I, I've had uh, some serious, crazy USB experiences lately that I would rather get those 10 hours of my life back due to it being them. <laughs> right. All about them. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think this is a you know it, this is really an engineering exercise of how much energy do I need to put into something to understand it well enough to recognize how well it fits or not fit. Yeah, it's very difficult. You know, a couple of years ago when I was on a Silverlight project with a team, I was recommending some of the different MVVM frameworks, and one of the one of the developers that worked at the company, I gave him some URLs to read, and you know, he started looking at two or three different frameworks. One particular framework, he came across some documentation about halfway down the introduction page that showed this really extreme use case of where he could use this bizarre syntax to do something magical. And the thing is, he would probably only use that maybe 0.5% of the time. <laughs> you could probably get around it all the time. But, you know, as soon as he saw that, he just shut it off. He said, no, we're not doing anything like that. Move right. on to the next one. The fact that I'm able to do that is enough to make me never speak to you again. That's right. And, and <laughs> I love the metaphor of this show. This is a good one. We should have thought of this We're years ago. We're in a dark ago. place. It must be Friday afternoon. Know, really? Come oh, on. Where's the scotch? <laughs> it's right over there, actually. Uh, <laughs> right over there. But yeah, well, now that, you think about, now that I think about it, there's, there's a lot of similarities. You know, and when you're picking a, a partner or a friend, you, you make a lot of judgment calls just based on sometimes superficial things like appearance. And that that's just the way it goes because there's only so much time we have. Well, you think about this. I mean, in a relationship, you have triggers like words or phrases or something that the other person will say, you know, completely honestly and not, you know, not the way you're taking it. And all of a sudden it's like, Niagara Falls! Slowly I turned, right? And, you know, those things happen when you're when you're developing. It's like, oh, God, here we go again, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Exactly. Now I'm hacking the registry. <laughs> Someone could say, oh, you're you're wearing Crocs. I don't like people with Crocs. Yeah, Moving there you go. Yeah. People with Crocs are stupid. 
Angular can be that way because it is pretty heavy on design pattern. So as soon as someone sees something like dependency injection, that can be an instant turnoff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This sense of formality that I'm getting from Angular, just a little bit of time we've been talking about it, clearly appeals to a certain audience, but it also, I think, put off a certain number of people as well. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a bit opinionated in this in the sense that step two of their tutorial shows you how to write a unit test with Jasmine. And at that time it was called testacular when I ran through it. That's a, a unit testing test. Testacular. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's really funny. <laughs> First, let me tell you that, uh, that particular product with that name was open sourced by Google. It's a test runner, like a continuous test. Yeah, runner. I get it. It's just very one vowel off from testicular. Exactly. So a long time ago, when they first released this, the web page said, Testacular, the JavaScript <laughs> unit test runner with balls. <laughs> shortly after that, the with balls part disappeared. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and now two weeks ago, it's been renamed. So now the name of this is Karma, the spectacular unit test runner, something there like you that. Go. So it's it's a lot more sensitive than yes. I, I I believe political correctness hit somewhere there. Uh, you know, if you're not laughing, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the history is way funnier. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's great I'm stuff. adding that one to the show notes. No yeah, question. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what about Durandal or how do you say it, Durandal? Durandal is the way I say it. I think mm -hmm. that's how Rob says it. That's yeah. a, a great little project put together by Rob Eisenberg, who himself is very much into building spas and, and applications with a lot of JavaScript. But he basically took a look around the world and said, you know, I, I like Knockout. I want to use it, but it's not everything that I need. And I like this library over here, and I like Require.js. I'm just going to try to bundle them all up together and then provide a, a shell so that they... They all work together in mm -hmm. addition to adding other features. And what Rob came out with is essentially something that's very much in the spirit of Calibre and Micro for Silverlight and WPF, but it's JavaScript in the browser. Nice. Well, and we're big fans of, yeah. uh, of Eisenberg. He's amazing. You know, Calibre Rob, is amazing. Is crazy genius. Yes. Crazy genius. Exactly right. He hasn't been on the show in a while. Nope. I think we need to bring him back. Yep. You should have him on because I, I love listening to him talk. He has a lot of great insights. Well, you got to run it at half speed, but and I'm with you. Talking about picking your crazy, that's worth picking right there. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's a right. crazy I can live with. The funny, you know, the funny, you, Carl knows this, and I think many listeners know this, that, that I have a fairly good memory for things. So when I saw Durandal, immediately I think of there's a NATO weapon name for this that is uh, designed by the Swedes for destroying... Uh, runways by actually detecting how far the bomb is off the ground and then firing a rocket so that it slams through the pavement and then explodes to blow really big holes in runways. Mm. And that's when you say that name, that's what I hear in my head. Mm. Wow. I don't know that it's a good thing. I'm just saying that's what happens to me. Mm. But, but it's also in the same space to bring it back to Durandal. It's, you know, about building, building spas with data binding and all that good stuff. So, the, I mean, it, it strikes me that, that Knockout, Durandal, and Angular are sort of competing in the same space. Oh, absolutely. And I think there was a time last year where they had some sort of a spa shootout. It was literally a conference where 
uh, like Steve Sanderson represented Knockout and someone represented Angular. And they, they all got together and gave talks about their respective frameworks to see where they contrasted and compared. I'm sure you can find those videos out there somewhere, I think, on the Internet. Unfortunately, when you search on spa shootout, you find out about people being shot in spas, ah, which, you know, which gets old pretty fast. Getting uh, kind of tired of reading about shootings. Just me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. But I get what you mean. We have to come up with new words. Oh, yeah. So spa instead, Smackdown. I love Smackdown. Search for Throne of JS. Throne of JS is what they call this. The seven frameworks. But it seems, though, that um, Angular seems to be sort of a a collection of all that is good about jQuery, Knockout, Backbone, all of these things. Is it missing anything? It is missing some things. There, There's these pieces that surround the UI, things like how to launch a dialogue and how to do a, a calendar control. Those pieces aren't in there, so you typically have to write some of that yourself or get one of these frameworks we talked about at the beginning of the show, like Bootstrap or mm. Angular UI to help you do that. But uh, the, the, all the good stuff is there. And one of the reasons I liked Angular was because you could write plain, simple JavaScript. Some yeah. of these other frameworks like uh, Backbone, Ember, Knockout, you had to change your JavaScript or play by certain rules to get it to work. It doesn't rewrite anything for you. It doesn't rewrite anything for you. Yeah. It's actually kind of interesting how it does change detection. For instance, if you walk up and change something in your model, how does it know when to update the UI? In Angular, it's basically doing snapshot change detection. So it's actually comparing what do we have now, what did we have the last time an event happened. Hmm. And you said it's kind of heavy, right? Angular is kind of heavy. Is there a sort of a lighter version? There is no lighter version that I, I know of. Now, by heavy, I mean, it. I think uh, off the top of my head, I think it's about, in terms of size, it's about 80 kilobytes minified, and I think around 30 kilobytes when it's served up in zipped form well that's not bad form. at all and that's not bad at all that's but uh, as far as concepts go it, it's kind of heavy yeah well and it sounds like there's a lot to it actually and there's a lot to it and and there's a lot of thorough documentation but unfortunately that documentation was written by someone maybe with a bit of an academic slant so uh it doesn't come across as friendly as it could so what do i need to know to use angular I think ideally, if you've done any type of model view controller or separated design patterns, model view, view model, any of that stuff, that, that would be the best starting point. Because if you at least haven't done that before, then I think it would be really easy to get lost in Angular with, huh, what, what, what do I put in my controller? What do I put in my model? It's, mm. you know, all, all sort of very confusing that way. And I, I would also say you have to have a pretty solid grounding in, in JavaScript already. So if you don't know things like how closures work and how promises work and stuff like that, it's, yeah. it's going to be an uphill climb. Yeah, this is, there's some philosophical pieces here as well as basic techniques. You said if, if dependency injection fills you with loathing, you're going to have a problem with Angular. Absolutely, Yes. And, I mean, at the same time, there are people where that fills you with love, and so you're going to want to dive straight into this. This is this is what you were looking for. That's right. And like I say, for me, it took about maybe it was an hour that I went through their 12-step tutorial. And after I got to the end and I thought back, and every every step to me made a lot of sense, Right. I, I had decided that this was a good framework to move forward with. Go on a second date, if you will. Right. <laughs> 
Well, and he makes you think more of these pr- types of projects need to sit down and put together the those steps to find the speed dating route of this framework. Mm-hmm. What have been the biggest challenges for you? Again, I would say it comes back to interacting with the UI. So Angular makes it very easy to do data binding, and that's all well and good. But what happens when I want to launch a modal dialogue or I want to animate something in the DOM when I bring in new data? Those types of things aren't there in the base Angular framework, and it takes some digging into Angular to actually figure out the, the proper way to do that. Now, one way to do it is just include jQuery and write some crazy jQuery code right in your controller. But a- Angular is very clear that that's not something you should do. It should be somewhere else. So you have to figure out what the somewhere else is. <laughs> right. In, in Angular, they have the concept of services. So you can write services to, to do some of this. Uh, but for the UI, typically you would write what's known as a directive. And a directive is something that you can actually place in your HTML. So it can be, um, an attribute on an HTML element. It can also replace an HTML element. But typically, you would write a directive that responds to changes in the model and, and provides your animations and DOM manipulation. Hmm. So again, you know, a lot of people will look at that and say, wow, that's, that's a lot of work just to do a simple fade in somewhere. But it, it's all about separation of concerns and, and flexibility and testability if that's ultimately what you're after. So... What did you say? Thirty k, kind of zipped. I believe that's about thirty k zipped. Yeah. yeah. So, so you would use this for mobile devices, then? I guess this is what you're saying. This will work just fine on a mobile device. I would use this for certain types of mobile devices. Yeah. yeah. the The sweet spot for Angular is, is definitely uh, a line of business type application where you're doing sort of the create, read, update, delete of things. You know, so you show yeah. you show a list of things, and you can edit those things and create new things. It, it's not the framework I would use for a mobile game, for instance, where there's a couple hundred sprites flying around the screen. That probably wouldn't work so well. Do we need to have a discussion about how smart a spa is on a mobile device? I'm just thinking with that little of screen space, isn't scrolling and moving page to page a better metaphor than just trying to hold everything in one screen? Well, you definitely have to be careful about things like memory consumption and and how much is actually going on on that mobile device. And I think that's one of the places actually where jQuery mobile sometimes gets into trouble on the smaller devices because it is keeping multiple pages in memory. Uh, I I would think for the most part, Angular could perform a little bit better than jQuery mobile. And it's always felt a little bit snappier to me, but you, you can easily get into situations with, with large models or something like that, that, it's not going to perform well on a small device at all. I mean, you sound like axioms for spa on mobile, irrespective of the framework. Don't load more than you need because you're not going to be... I think we have a habit in working in web pages where we know we're leaving this page soon, so we don't need to be tidy. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Once you leave this page, all that stuff will be thrown away, and that's fine. And when you're in a spa, you never leave the damn page, so you're going to build up a lot of overhead. Yeah, all those things come back to haunt you. You know, when should I clean up event handlers? When should I destroy things? It's typically those things we didn't have to worry about them over the last 10 years, but uh, this is a different type of application now. Yeah, it's a garbage um, collection via rebooting. 
<laughs> you know, that to me, it's like, when you leave a page, yeah, you just rebooted that machine. You're making a new machine now. So it's kind of, it, it, it encourages, it certainly we've created an environment that allowed for indifference yeah. to keeping tidy. And now we're trying to do stuff that needs tidiness. Yeah. Right. And it's more difficult now. I mean, when we were indifferent to this, we were indifferent to the situations because we didn't have to worry about them and it was just taken care of for us. And yeah. now, now you're in a situation where actually you become very frustrated because a lot of these mobile browsers, it's very hard to get diagnostics or instrumentation out of those devices. And at least as far as the browser goes to find out sure. what's really happening inside of there. Well, and, and, and my friend Carl brought up Glimpse at the top of the show as a, as something that could be deployed into a spa to help. I mean, I don't know how much it's, instrumentation it's going to provide directly about the state of the browser and how much memory it's consuming and so forth, but it's certainly going to tell you more about what came in, what the interactions look like. Like That, that to me, we need better instrumentation on the phone, mm. without a doubt. Right. Yeah, Glimpse is a fantastic tool. I just read this week that LinkedIn went to back to native applications. There was a lot yeah. of noise last year that they were going all oh, HTML5 and they went back to native applications. I just read the interview this morning actually and and I think it was their CTO said that it wasn't really an issue with HTML5 itself. That's all well and good. It works great. We can write great applications with JavaScript and HTML5, but one of the mm -hmm. problems with an HTML5 application is actually getting out uh, diagnostics and instrumentation and, and finding out what is happening on those devices. That's a lot easier to do on native applications that are, that are building on that platform where you can, you know, there's, there's just more options there. Yeah. You're, you, you're able to know more about what's going on. And isn't that interesting? It's not functionality. It's not performance. It's visibility into the process. Right. Which once again goes back to the browser, I think. Browsers are always trying to catch up with what, what, you know, what are our latest needs? Well, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great that now you have geolocation and a canvas that I can draw on. So I've done all that stuff and now I'm ready for the next step, which is I actually want to find out what's, what's happening inside of you while you're running. Well, and there is that whole component as part of HTML5 around web timings, like there, there is a pretty big piece there. We, something we focused on quite a bit at Strange Loop, but I don't think it's gotten a lot of love. It's certainly not been ratified. Every different engine does it differently. There's an MS version and an WebKit version. It's, you know, it's in that state, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of knowledge about what's going on inside of the browser. I, I feel like we maybe there's a framework waiting to be built here to, to surface this in a more friendly way. Mm. Yeah, if you've never poked around in performance timing interface, like it tells you, it'll tell you stuff you can't get from your own code for sure. Mm, that would be nice. You know, how long did the DNS part of your page rendering t take? And, you know, those kinds of things outside of once your page was actually running in the browser. It, it would be nice to be able to do background checks on these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What do we want more than, you know, how much memory am I currently consuming and how much am I eating of this phone the way I am right now? Am I being a bad citizen? Right. You know, there's an interesting question your app should be able to ask itself. Am I behaving badly? Hmm. And, and then you could make some decisions around, should I stop doing that? <laughs> you know, is the correct answer for the spa to exit for a moment and use that reboot garbage collection and then come back a little cleaner and lighter? Hmm. Well, yeah. That's what we've done on the server quite often, right? Just recycle the process every night. Yep. Yeah, we had a discussion with Chris Sells about that. 
Exact same thing. Well, is that a show? I, I think it is. I'm going to add a link to the navigation timing thing. It's funny that just jumped into my head because it's something we worked on for years on the Strange Loop side, and I don't right. think anybody really knows about it. Mm. Yeah. It is in the browsers, and we haven't done much with it. Now that I care about instrumentation so much on the client, why aren't we doing this? Hmm. Exactly. Well, guys, it's been a great time. And uh, Scott, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. And it's always great to talk to you. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much, but it means a lot. Just